0: Good morning, Roseanne. Now, this first one is really uh, one of those additions to that confidential um, article you did for me. And it's called After Thoughts. And this one I would like as perfect as possible. So maybe you'll want to do a rough one first and then... Uh, Just type it over. Okay, here we go. The main title is Afterthoughts. T-H-O-U-G-H-C. That's one word. Then the first uh, of several um, subtitles. In the center, God's Timing. T-I-M-I-N-G. And then underneath that, in the supply of our needs. Okay, here we go. Often at Berean Bible Society, we have been amazed at God's timing in the supply of our needs, period. Again and again, we have received needed funds just in time and, uh, comma, sometimes, comma, from the most unexpected sources, comma, so that by the grace of God we have never had to dishonor him by unpaid debts. Period. Uh, one such incident will always stand out in my mind. Period. Paragraph. All right, paragraph. Uh, one of our larger books, <clears throat> one of our larger books, <clears throat> had just come off the press uh when our funds were particularly low period. The bill was just around ten thousand dollars in figures uh, a dollar sign and ten thousand uh by the way, do this ten comma three zeros, period, two zeros. All right. Uh, The bill was just around $10,000, period. As the time for payment drew nearer, um, I became concerned and uh, called for a a special prayer meeting about this period, but this was June, comma, when receipts are are generally uh, low, uh, comma, and this year especially so, paragraph, with only a few days left, comma, I found myself writing a searchlight article in my study at the West End, uh, comma, about the serious inroads of unsound doctrine and practice uh, at uh, Grace Bible College, period. That article needed uh, writing to warn parents and young people who might become involved, semi. Yet we had already uh, suffered financially for our stand in this matter, and I thought, um, comma, quote, if, capital I, if I write this, uh, there will surely be others who will cut off their support um, uh, semi, and now this bill for $10,000 Uh, period, unquote. As I became increasingly fearful, I laid down my pen, comma, bowed my head, uh, comma, and prayed to God for special guidance, period, paragraph. I had no more than begun praying when the intercom buzzed B u z z e d period. It was Virginia Benson that spelled B e, uh, uh, n g t B e n g t s o n. It was Virginia Benson, comma my secretary for many years period. She said colon quote Pastor Stam comma I'm sorry to bother you while you're writing comma but I have some news I think you will want to hear, uh, period, unquote. Quote, uh, what news, question, unquote, I asked, period. Then she informed me that one of our readers had just sent in an outright gift for, now do this in figures again, $11,600 dollars exclamation mark Um, quote that's O-H comma O-Virginia comma unquote I said comma quote "Uh, what an answer to prayer excla unquote Uh, quote "Uh, isn't it though Uh, exclamation unquote uh, Virginia replied Period. She thought I was referring to our prayers for the needed money, uh, comma, and that, comma, of course, comma, uh, was underlined a great answer to prayer, uh, comma. But I had meant my own prayer for special guidance, uh, comma, so I said to Virginia, comma, quote, well, comma, I really meant another prayer, Uh, uh, excla. I'll tell you later, uh, period, unquote. Paragraph. Needless to say, uh, comma, I bowed my head again, comma, thanking God and asking him to forgive me for my fearfulness uh, to do the right uh, comma, just because I feared what men would do, uh, period, unquote. Uh, this incident has come back to me often, often, <coughs> pardon me, this incident has come back to me often since, period. It was a great lesson to uh, simply be faithful and trust God uh, to supply the needs, period, paragraph. Interestingly enough, comma, it was not long after this that suddenly the tide began to turn and many who had, quote, dropped, unquote, us for, quote, making trouble, comma, unquote, began thanking us uh, and sending in much-needed, under uh, a hyphen between, much-needed support for the word uh, period. Now, uh, Virginia, I'm going to go to a next one. If you're near the end of a page, make the next one a new page. Otherwise, just put a line, uh, like a two-inch line or so, after this article, and begin this next one. Entitled, Caught. C A U G H T exclamation mark. All right. As a young city missionary, comma weekly visiting, uh, the Valley View Sanatorium, and the Isolation Hospital, uh, comma both near Patterson, comma I found it particularly difficult. ...to uh, visit with the tubercular patients, uh, period. Nights, uh, comma, when uh, I should have been sleeping, comma, I was often haunted by visions of these poor uh, TB, capital T, capital B, uh, patients, uh, comma, with that hopeless look on their faces... Uh, period. I did um, uh, enjoy, uh, and then put in parenthesis only spiritually, unparenthesize, visiting them. Did you get that? I did enjoy, and then in parenthesis only spiritually, visiting uh, with them, visiting with them, comma, but uh, it was difficult for me to make myself uh, shake hands with them, Uh, comma. And finally, those clammy C-L-A-M-M-Y handshakes got the best of me, and I figured out a way to avoid this problem, period. As a man would say, quote, hello, unquote, uh, to me, and extend his hand, I I would pretend that I thought, underline the words I thought, he was putting out his hand for a gospel tract and would put a tract, dash, instead of my hand, dash, into his hand, uh, period. Paragraph. One day, Dad caught me doing this, and when we arrived home, uh, he gave me a real, quote, talking to, unquote, about it, uh, period. Calling my attention to Luke 4.40, he pointed out that here all, A-L-L a- underlined, the sick people of Capernaum uh, came, uh, came, comma, or were brought to, uh, comma, Christ comma, quote, and, now this should be underlined, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, uh, period, unquote. Really, the underlined part should be, he laid his hands on every one of them. He pointed out that the Lord had not needed to do this in order to heal uh, Uh, the sick, um, period. Rather, uh, he knew that these uh, poor uh, people needed, underline the word needed, to feel the touch of his hand uh, uh, and to be assured that he truly cared, uh, period. Uh, Quote, I know, comma, unquote, he said, comma, quote, that Christ was God and uh, we are not, uh, comma, but don't you really think that God will take care of us uh, if um, we care for, if we truly care for these poor souls, uh, question, unquote. Uh, take this last quote out. Erase that. Uh, so, uh, comma, while visiting the patients, be careful not to put your fingers to your lips, uh, comma, and when you get home, wash up well and gargle with Listerine if you want to, comma, but don't deprive these poor people of something that might uh, do more uh, for them than anything else uh, uh, to make them... Uh, uh, listen to the gospel, period, unquote. Paragraph, uh, uh, paragraph, I saw this, comma, of course, comma, and was convicted about it, uh, period. It did uh, much to help me in my ministry among the uh, tubercular patients, period. How often I have thanked God for dad's wise and loving counsel that day, excla. Now, again, if this about has filled a page, okay, take another one. Otherwise, draw a line again, and this is the next one. Where it goes, it's, I-T apostrophe S, dark. Where it goes, it's dark. All right, paragraph. Another incident along this line took place one evening when Henriette and I uh, had been uh, visiting uh, a TB patient in her home, period. This woman had uh, left the sanatorium, uh, although she had not, underline the word not, been cured, comma, nor had the disease even been arrested, Uh, period. Uh, Paragraph. As we stepped into the house, she made us comfortable in her living room and excused herself for a few moments, period. Paragraph. Out in the kitchen, we could hear sounds of dishes being set out and or or being set out Dash, and, underline the word, and, her hacking, H-A-C-K-I-N-G, her hacking, cough, exclamation mark. To our dismay, she soon emerged with cake and tea, period. We couldn't very well refuse it, comma, but we certainly did not enjoy it, exclamation uh, mark. Uh! Paragraph When we um all right uh this paragraph when we saw dad uh, comma next day comma I asked him what to do in such cases uh period Was it necessary underline the word necessary to partake of food prepared by a TB patient question uh Dad's reply, colon, quote, Eat it, uh, semi. Where it goes, it's dark anyway. Excla, unquote. And then another serious talk about God, underline the word God, uh, and his care for his uh, faithful uh, servants, period. Paragraph, as I look back now, I realized with wonder and gratitude that we had uh, about a dozen uh, uh, workers on our staff at the Star of Hope mission, uh, comma, all of whom uh, visited the Valley View Sanitarium and dash, worse still, dash, the isolation hospital, uh, comma, every week, period. Yet not one of us ever contracted uh, TB or any of the other more serious diseases being treated at the isolation hospital, uh, period. Surely God is, underline the word, is faithful. All right, the next one, either a line or next page separating them. Uh, None of us stams ever long to, quote, go to the movies, uh, period, uh, unquote, or make that comma, unquote, the most popular uh, form of uh, worldly entertainment in those days, period. Dad, comma, in his unsaved state, comma, had been in show business and now made fun of all that sham and make-believe. Uh, paragraph. However, comma, as I have said, Dad and Mother did encourage an interest in good music, period. One of the happiest results of this was that in our later teens, t w e n s, John and I, were allowed to take the train to New York City, comma, about 20 miles away, comma, and attend the Saturday afternoon concerts at Carnegie Hall. That's capital C-A-R-N-E-G-I-E, Carnegie Hall, uh, both underlined, comma, uh, Period. Uh, these were great experiences experiences for us, comma, but I but I missed out on one of the greatest, comma, when Rach, capital R A C H Maninoff, M-A-N-I-N-O-F-F. Rach Maninoff uh, rendered his great uh, piano composition uh, comma uh, and then underlined and in caps, prelude, P-R-E-L-U-D-E, in C, capital C, minor, capital M-I-N-O-R, uh, period, uh, uh, comma, unquote, and later, uh, seven, uh, underline the word seven, encores, E-N-C-O-R-E-S, period how I loved a uh, quote prelude in C minor uh, comma unquote and uh, would have quote given my right arm a um, uh, comma unquote so to speak comma to hear uh, uh, Rachmaninoff uh, render the composition uh, excla. Next one, the Carnegie Libraries, uh, paragraph. Uh, Many people do not know that Andrew Carnegie, comma, the great uh, industrialist, dash, or hyphen, uh, philanthropist, uh, comma, uh, inaugurated the great uh, National uh, Library systems both in the USA and England uh, period. Uh, the facilities FACI facilities uh, which now are named uh, and then underlined, uh, United States Public Library, uh, comma, were in my younger days um, named, uh, and then underline again, Carnegie Public Library, period. Uh, these libraries were of great help to me in my traveling ministry, period, often in those days, comma, arrangements were made for me to stay in the homes of members of uh, the congregations uh, where I preached, uh, period. This could be a bit embarrassing, uh, comma, if uh, only the woman of the house... Uh, was home uh, during the day, period. Uh, Thus, my first question uh, uh, generally was, comma, quote, uh, where is your Carnegie Library, Um, unquote, question. In the quiet atmosphere and the comfortable surroundings of these libraries, I wrote uh, many um, an article and composed uh, many uh, a message from the word with a capital W, uh, period. Uh, I have often thanked God for them, uh, period. Now, my dear lady, I got I got a suggestion. Why not don't do it perfectly yet, but leave what you have done for me to mark up so that we'll be sure to get it all right, because this is a big job, I know. Thank you so much. That'll be all on this one. He took all the liquor and poured it down the canal across the street and let it ride out to sea. That was the end of that. He was bearing his first strong testimony to the neighbors. Going back to ocean travel, I should say that from his youth, Dad had much to do with ships, even ocean liners. When he was a teenager, the older brothers would buy and drag into the canal some ocean-going vessel, and then would take it apart and sell the part. That's the business they were in. Later in America, Dad was used to help many immigrants from Holland, France, Germany, and elsewhere to find lodging and get settled in America. Thus he got to know ships and often their captains, and so did we, uh, we youngsters. I can recall just offhand the Italian wrecks, the German Bremen, and the Europa, and that beautiful, beautiful French Normandy. I used to think that that was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen at sea, and I think it certainly was the most beautiful ocean liner. Then there was the Ile de France, and the British canard liners, then British, the Carmania, the Beringaria, the Aquitania, the Mauritania, both Queens, Mary and Elizabeth, the first ones, of course, and the Dutch liners, the Nordam, the Rheindam, the Rotterdam, the Veendam, the Volendam, the Statendam, the New Amsterdam, and others, and of course, the American liners we've been on most of these and were familiar with others. We stam children, or some of us often accompanied Dad as he went either to see missionaries off or to meet immigrants who needed help. I could tell many an interesting story here, but we'd better settle for just one. Dad and Mother were on that last trip to Holland on the Dutch liner Volendam. One morning, as they left their stateroom, two of the ship's officers stood outside waiting to escort them down to the dining room. Now what's this, thought Dad. As they descended the large curved stairway, there was the captain's table with a big white cake and two candles burning on it. Then the orchestra struck up Lungs all as a levin in America. Or they'll live long in America. You see a pair of twins had been born to Betty, Henry's wife, and they had informed the ship by wireless. What a lovely way to receive such news. We had many opportunities to witness for Christ on these liners, and sometimes Dad even arranged for special meetings aboard. One time, as the liner was being slowly pushed from the pier, Thirty-four of us stood singing farewell hymns. Soon the captain came to the bridge and called down in broken English, You have any Holland songs? Uh, Do you have any Holland songs? Yes, indeed we did. For most of us were Holland descent. So we sang an old Holland hymn which ran, Pull sailor, pull sailor, pull for the shore. Then we introduced the captain to Dad, who was just under him on the deck below. And so... Dad got to know another captain. He knew many of them. Indeed, with their help, we had many a gospel meeting right on board ship. Just four of us dams are still on earth at this time. Peter, who's 92, I believe. Clozina, almost 90. Amelia, 72, and I. Talking with Clozina, 90, over the phone... You'd think she was 50. She's so young in her outlook and so happy in the Lord. I've said that all of us were saved at early ages uh, and uh, used to a considerable extent in the Lord's work. I can't help but feel that this was under God largely due to the inspiration of two exceptional parents. Mother and dad were something. I don't remember them ever, ever quarreling and the rest of us have said the same thing. If we asked Dad, can I do so-and-so, he'd say, have you asked Mother? Or if we asked Mother, he'd say, or she'd say, have you asked Dad? And both were firm, yet very affectionate disciplinarians. We boys got spanked when we needed it, and sometimes spanked hard by Dad or even by Mother. But not the girls, of course. They were treated in a different way. But certainly dad and mother did not believe in discipline by indulgence, as so many do. And I, for one, have often thanked God for that. And we were sure not to get what we cried for. And you know, that saved a lot of aggravation around the house. For if a family of ten are going to have any converse whatsoever, you can't have several children crying. Now, will you turn over your tape, please? Each of us, in turn, had to learn to wash dishes, make beds, dust, sweep the sidewalks, and so on. With that off and away, Mother was the commander-in-chief of this young army, and yet so sweet, she was the sweetest lady. She came from a poor background in Rotterdam, yet had a certain refinement about her that was beautiful to observe. And she had a lot of faith and courage, too. After John and Betty had been murdered and all the shock and excitement connected with that, I can recall just offhand the Italian wrecks and the German Bremen and Europa and that beautiful, beautiful French Normandy, later changed to government service and called the Lafayette. But the Normandy, I used to think, was the most beautiful ocean-going vessel I had ever seen. And it was probably the most beautiful of its day. Then there was the Ile de France, also beautiful. And the British canard liners, the Carmania, the Berengaria, the Aquitania, the Mauritania. Now, with a large family, you can imagine that we all had to pitch in and help. Each of us, in turn, had to learn to wash dishes, make beds, dust, sweep the sidewalks, and so on. With that off and away, Mother was the commander-in-chief of this young army. Yet so sweet, she was the sweetest lady. She came from a poor background in Rotterdam, yet had a certain refinement about her that was beautiful to observe. And she had a lot of faith and courage, too. I remember after John and Betty had been murdered and all the shock and excitement connected with that event, she came down one morning to the kitchen where we all had breakfast, and standing in the doorway, she straightened out her apron and said simply, Now, as if to say, Come on, let's start all over again. Dad gave us much to wean us away from worldly interests. We never, none of us ever longed, To go to movies, uh, to the movie theater. For one thing, we all had to learn to play at least two musical instruments, so that we had quite an orchestra among us. I got to play trombone, and if you'll forgive me, I really did that well. I used it to a great deal in the Lord's work and enjoyed leading audiences in singing. I also played the baritone and some cello and piano. Now, this emphasis on music made for good fellowship among us. Also, Dad and Mother were truly godly people. We began every day with prayer. And uh, because of Dad's background and what it had done for him, we read the Bible at every meal before we partook of food. And we had prayer and Bible reading at bedtime. I don't remember that I ever felt it was dull. I don't think my brothers and sisters did. I think perhaps Dad dad saw to that. I said we were all saved at early ages, but I haven't told you about my own conversion. John and I were both deeply under conviction in our mid-teens. And one Sunday evening as we went to the meeting at the Star of Hope mission, and by the way, we never asked or were asked if we wanted to go, we went. But this time, we went by a roundabout way so as to avoid the open-air meeting on Main Street. Not being saved, this embarrassed us. At the mission later, blind Pastor Houston was the speaker, and he preached with great spiritual power. When he finished, John and I were more deeply convicted than ever, and we were afraid he might give an invitation, so we slipped out during the last hymn. On the way home, we didn't say one word to each other. A bit later, though, Dad arrived at home, and the phone rang. Now, in those days, the ladies had sort of a women's union. <laughs> the women would call each other if their children stepped out of line. It was a good idea. This time, Dad answered the phone, and a woman said, Mr. Stamm, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this but I'm afraid John and Neil have been drinking. I saw them come home, and both of them were staggering. You know, we were so under conviction by the Holy Spirit that we were unsteady on our feet. We practically staggered home. How easy that made it for Dad and our brothers to lead us to the Lord. I was already a hard-working boy at this time, I've been a hard-working boy all my life, I think. I never made it to high school, but I did skip two grades in grammar school. So I started working at Patterson's Bank of America when I had just turned 13. A few years later, I switched to the Citizens Trust Company. Fewer boys went to high school in those days and fewer still to college. The families needed the money. But soon I began working nights at the Star of Hope mission, and finally full-time. Never after that did I ever apply for any position of any kind, business, pastoral, evangelistic, or otherwise. The Lord just seemed to open one door after another. There were just things that needed doing. And beside the street meetings at the Star of Hope, there were the meetings at the institutions, the isolation hospital, the TB sanatorium, the almshouse, the prison, and so forth. And the Star of Hope always had from 12 to 24 full-time workers going out and doing their work for the Lord. At first, John and I had to be there at 5 a.m. That's what I said, 5 in the morning, to get the big furnace stoked. Uh, A building two stories high with a frontage of 125 feet and some 70 feet deep, naturally had a big furnace. And we had to shovel coal and throw it far back into the hamper and then bed it down again at night. One thing that did me a great deal of good later was the house-to-house visitation. It helped me not to be afraid of people. At one time, a young man named Henry Sent. S E N F worked there and he and I went from house to house together for three years five days a week trying to reach every home in Patterson with the gospel a simple question do you have a Bible generally started a conversation easily when no one was at home we marked it on our big city map and returned later at first I was actually afraid to start each morning but didn't want to quit at the end of the day. We had had such blessed times, and all with strangers. And interestingly, we had the best opportunities and the best times of witnessing at Patterson's swanky east side. We had left that section for last, frankly, because we didn't exactly relish being greeted at the door by a servant who, we thought, uh, would try to hinder us from seeing the people who live there. But we had attractive cards made up, and soon we were being invited into the homes of the wealthy with many an opportunity to witness for Christ. It seemed we found more open hearts there than anywhere else, and some were won to Christ. Senef was a wonderful friend and co-worker. I shall never forget him. He was a great blessing to me. Later he went to Africa, to Congo, as a missionary. Soon, I was asked by Dad to start writing thank-you letters for gifts set in. Dad was not a college man, but he had worked hard to learn English and wanted us to speak it well and to write it well. I hadn't cared for English in grade school. In fact, I didn't like the subject. But Dad got me to love it. One day, he gave me a book containing correspondence by the women of revolutionary days, Martha Washington, Abigail Adams, and others, about the most mundane matters, the bringing up of children, baking, cooking, yard work, and so on, but all written in such elegant English that they made the most interesting reading, all expressed so well. In addition, as I've said, Dad made sure that we had lots of the right kind of books at home, mostly Bible commentaries and books by great Christian writers. And I got so I devoured these. Another big help was our weekly home gospel meetings. During the day, our house-to-house workers would look for opportunities and try to make arrangements for evening meetings in the homes of interested people. Then on Thursday evenings, there would be some forty volunteers and regular workers, and Dad would sit up front looking the audience over and dividing this group into smaller groups of four or five, with a leader for each and the others to help with their testimonies. This gave me a good start at Bible teaching. I loved the study of the Word, and with the help of many good books on the Bible, I got to enjoy these meetings no end, especially when the Lord gave us precious souls. One year, when Dad and Mother were away to Holland, John and I had an idea. We went to the big new Valley View Sanatorium for TV patients and contacted the physician-in-chief, as he was called. We showed him pictures of the work of the Star of Hope and copies of the recommendations we had received from chiefs of police, mayors, and so forth. Result, he was overjoyed. We were just what he had been looking for, and without delay, he appointed us the chaplains, as it were, of the institution. We were given a beautiful studio from which to broadcast to the patients, and then we could visit them from room to room. The patients had earphones, and it often touched us, uh, individuals, as we walked through the corridors during meeting time to see those patients listening so intently. One time, Dad, when Dad had returned from Holland, we found four quarters of a stage piled right in front of the mic. Evidently, they were going to have some kind of show that night. Then a funny thing happened. The only thing to do was to broadcast from the top of the pile, for the room was so arranged that that seemed the only possibility. The trouble was that my brother John had been introduced to sing a selection entitled He Will Not Let Me Fall. And as he began to speak, the whole thing seemed so ludicrous that one after another us started giggling, even Dad so that we, he simply ran over and pulled the plug. Later we started over again and explained to our listeners letting them in on the fun. Good wholesome humor does help in the Lord's work, otherwise embarrassment could sometimes turn to frustration. I had never dreamed I'd ever be a pastor or a writer to any degree, but the Lord evidently had that in store for me. First, For 13 years I served as pastor of a beloved group known now as the Prakeness Bible Church in Wayne, New Jersey. Then it was the the Prakeness Community Church, I believe. After 13 years with these beloved people, I was called by Pastor O'Hare and the Worldwide Grace Testimony into a traveling minister. The idea was to get the growing number of Grace Pastors and churches to know one another and to unify them in some way. During these three years, 1942 to 1945, Mrs. Stamm and I traveled every state in the Union and four provinces of Canada, proclaiming the gospel of the grace of God and teaching the word. It was Pastor Herman Rich of the First Church of the Fundamentals in Evansville, Indiana, who, with his board, invited us to conduct a national grace conference. Thus, at his church, was formed the Grace Gospel Fellowship, a national organization of grace believers. Pastor Rich has gotten almost no credit for this, but he was the one who had the faith to take the first step, and from this conference sprang Milwaukee Bible Institute, also largely from his urging. Milwaukee Bible Institute soon became Milwaukee Bible College and finally Grace Bible College of Grand Rapids, Michigan. In 1945, I joined uh, Pastor Charles F. Baker in establishing the Milwaukee Bible Institute. I had promised to stay for two years, but continued with Mr. Baker for five from 1945 to 1950. Pastor Baker was president and instructor, and I, dean and instructor, with 13 hours of teaching each week. And, beloved, that's 39 hours of study and marking papers each week because we had to blaze some trails. At that time, we had no textbooks on what we believed dispensationally, and this affected several or most of our courses. Indeed, some of my books uh, that we have uh, here at BBS Now are really textbooks which I composed for these classes. Though I had pulled up stakes, uh, as it were, to come to Milwaukee from Patterson, New Jersey, I was still responsible all this time for the ministries of the Berean Searchlight. And this was really too much. So that after resigning from Milwaukee Bible Institute, I had two heart attacks from which it took about a year and a half to slowly recover. But to explain the Berean searchlight, we should go back to the years in New Jersey. I had asked the board of Preakness Bible Church to let me use the back of every weekly bulletin exclusively for a printed Bible study. They gladly granted this, and almost immediately the idea took hold and spontaneously copies of our bulletin were being distributed widely. The milkman in our congregation left them with his milk deliveries. The member of a big city sewing class took 60 with her to give to the other members, and so on. And soon we had a list of 700 to prepare for distribution each week. And within a short time it grew to be 1,600, and it just kept growing. Then some of the men of the church came to me and asked whether I would be willing to begin publishing a small Bible study magazine as its editor if they supplied the funds. This was a real challenge, which I accepted without hesitation. We got two small presses and put them in the basement of the church, and two young men of our congregation printed the searchlight for, I believe, the first six years. First eight pages, then 16, and so on. Then it all just seemed to grow, and we added wire-recorded messages to the one broadcast I had conducted for over 10 years. And all this continued as our responsibility after I got to Milwaukee. So you can understand why the additional hours at school were just too much, and I had to resign after five years. I did love those dear young people, though, and I loved teaching and studying uh, the Word of God. I guess the spirit was willing, but the flesh couldn't take it. I thank God for the help I had in those days, though. My secretary in Milwaukee, Miss Marie Reynolds, was very faithful and got others to help too. And somehow we got the magazine and the recordings done on time, until finally, in 1952, the Berean Searchlight became the Berean Bible Society due, the ex- due to the expansion of the ministries of the Searchlight. It had been incorporated before, but now we were reincorporated as a non-profit organization. The other one had been too, but as the Berean Bible Society. And then we moved to Chicago. During most of the years in Milwaukee, I had had two meetings a week in Wheaton and Chicago, in addition to all the rest. And uh, uh, both classes soon became organized churches. There was the Lombard Bible Church from our Wheaton class, and the Parkridge Bible Church from our Northwest Chicago Bible class. And both churches are still carrying on. Both have been enlarged, too. Thus, When we got to Chicago at a fine building on Belmont Avenue, there were dear folks ready to help, and especially from the uh, the nearby Norwood Bible Church, as it was called then. These people meant much to me in this growing ministry. In fact, two men from Norwood and Park Ridge helped in getting the building we purchased in Chicago. Since that time, Our headquarters have been enlarged twice first from 25 feet frontage to 75 feet and then later to 125 feet those who have been here visiting BBS lately can see how both the building and the ministry have grown the searchlight goes into every state in the Union plus some 70 foreign countries we have about 125 broadcast in the USA plus one reaching into the mainland China and other far eastern countries. Also, a newspaper column, Two Minutes with the Bible, uh, run in newspapers all over the country with about 7 million readers. Also, a tape ministry reaching into many states and some foreign countries. But all this has, by the grace of God, been a direct outgrowth of the searchlight and our written ministry. I've written so far 21 library-sized books and over the past 44 years, hundreds of short articles appearing in the searchlight and in smaller booklets. The response has surely exceeded our expectations. I've never considered myself a great writer by any means. In fact, writing has always been difficult for me. But I do love to dig into that blessed book and put my findings down on paper, and God graciously has blessed. Every every working day here, we're thrilled to receive letters from people who are just beginning to see the glory of what Paul calls the mystery, that sacred secret revealed to him by the Lord in glory to make known to us. I had often talked to a young businessman about the mystery, and then again and again, he'd say, I can see that. But I could tell he didn't see them. Certainly didn't get the whole picture. He didn't put the pieces of the puzzle together until one night, as I was about to speak at a church from a large Bible chart. That chart, by the way, appears in Things That Differ on page 192. After just standing at the rear of the church studying that chart for a while, He hurried up to the front where I was sitting. You'd think the front of the church was on fire. And he just talked for a while. Finally, he asked, Is this what you've been trying to drum into this thick skull all these years? He had just really seen it. And he was overwhelmed. The next day he came to our home and said, I've been so filled emotionally today I could hardly work. And that's how it often goes. Often it makes me think of Paul's word in Colossians 2, 1 and 2, where he says about his uh, persecutions in making this message known. I would that ye knew what conflict I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for many as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now listen, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and knit together unto the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement, and that's the word epignosis, full knowledge of the mystery. Of all the Bible says about full assurance, surely the full assurance of understanding is the most precious. To all this writing, teaching, preaching, and so on, engaged in through the years, I should add a short stint of two years, 1959 and 1960, at Chicago's North Shore Church as successor to Pastor J.C. O'Hare. How I loved that ministry and the dear people there. But again, I had to resign after two years. I had only promised one because I knew how much the work of the Berean Bible Society took out of me. So I had to resign this precious ministry uh, also. I wish I had time to discuss at length the faithful help received from my fellow workers here at Berean Bible Society. I think of several very efficient secretaries. They're a special breed, you know, most of whom continued helping in various ways after leaving us. Indeed, many of our helpers were truly outstanding people, and all truly had their hearts in the work. Then, of course, there was my beloved Henrietta, my first wife. For all the years of my labors, she served with me full time. With no children of our own, we tried to adopt children, but the Lord closed the doors, and later we understood. And for more than 35 years, she served full-time without any remuneration, although our board was most concerned and thoughtful about this. It was her own doing. She just loved to help as she could in the work. After Henriette had been gone for about five years, I married Ruth Wallstrom. And in this way, she was just the same. She's all sunshine and doesn't want a thing just wants to help and be blessed and used of the Lord. Pastor Richard Jordan of Mobile, Alabama, who has been with us about five years now, is my beloved co-worker and has become my successor as president of Berean Bible Society. Do pray much that God will prepare him well to eventually take over the whole ministry, including the Berean searchlight, all the broadcast, and so on and that he'll make the most of the gifts of preaching and writing which are in him, as Paul puts it to Timothy. Time has forbidden relating many more interesting experiences. My youthful stealing spree, and how the word convicted me and stopped it abruptly. Uh, Dad had asked Mother to read the Ten Commandments at the table. He said, we haven't read them for so long. She did, and she hesitated when she got to the words, Thou shalt not steal, while Dad took his time to look us all over very deliberately. (laughs) That did it. That temptation was gone. And how graciously God led me through what the hymn writer calls the slippery paths of youth and led me up to man. And some of my choicest sermon bloopers I've made some bad ones. And how Dad, after holding a meeting at Passaic County Jail, went home with the keys of the boys' department in his pocket. They had really trusted him. I haven't said how there were three major theological battles in which I've been engaged. First, I got into the tail end of the great battle that waged for years over the rapture, the coming of Christ for his own which we contended will take place before the millennium, not during or after. In those days, you were either a pre- or a post-millennialist, that is. Then there was the battle over baptism and the Great Commission, in the recovery of what Paul calls the mystery. This is still being recovered, and it has great resistance. And finally, we had to take a stand against the gross departures of the word in GGF and its school, Grace Bible College. That was the saddest. However, all this is to be found in our book, so I haven't dealt with the details uh, of these battles here. But I do rejoice in the assurance that each of these controversies was, in the words of Paul, a good fight. Not that we necessarily fought uh, perfectly or even so well, but that they were fought in defense of the truth of God or of its propagation they were good wholesome proper fights if you please well there's much much more to tell but the truly great thing to me is how God has blessed the teaching of his word and what a rare privilege it has been to have a part in this and now In our closing years, Ruth and I keep listening for the shout, and we sing with Francis Bevan, He and I, in that bright glory, one deep joy shall share, mine to be forever with him, his that I am there for. Remember, he loves us far more than we will ever, ever love him. Thanks for listening And God bless you, each one.